<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire? Running your own company? Achieving your life's goals? Yet wake up in a cold sweat? Next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto. And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. Hello, caviar dreamers. Hi, caviar dreamers. Today is a good day. Today is a great day. We have on an amazing guest, Nadine Macaluso. Yes, she is a doctor, a therapist, and you may know her because Margot Robbie played her in the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street. I know, she was married to Jordan Balfour. Had an amazing life, but she was married to the biggest narcissist we know. Yep, and I mean, when you think of caviar dreams, you think of this, lifestyle that she had yachts and uh, you know this glamorous life and all the money anyone could have a house full of stuff this beautiful life but you know truthfully on the inside her life stunk like tuna fish with his behavior exactly and we're going to hear about the strength how she was able to leave what made her marry someone like that the charm and everything he had how to know if you're dealing with a narcissist Mm -hmm. what are the qualities what kind of qualities a man like that looks for. I'm so excited to speak to her today. Yeah, she's going to give great advice um, for how we can all improve ourselves also, you know, and, and, and better ourselves and achieve our dreams and become stronger, more confident people. Yeah, and set boundaries. Yes. Oh, boundaries is a big one. We definitely have to talk about boundaries. Hi, Nadine. Hi, Nadine. Hello. So nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks for coming on. I'm so excited. Nadine, I mean, your story is unbelievable and and everything you've been through and dealing with a narcissist, I mean, a very famous one, (laughs) that that your life was a movie. Yes. Yes. You know, but just also your upbringing is the story about raised by two hippie parents. And I could relate just because Marge Sr., my mother, same thing. I was born very young, but just start from like, how did you meet Jordan? And what, tell me what attracted you to him. Sure, sure. So I was, you know, as you mentioned, I was raised by a single mother. So, you you know, financial resources were not always so easy to come around. And I uh, was working in the city and I I said, finally, like, I'm going to go become a model because I need money. 
uh, to live. And so I did that and I was running around the city with a bunch of fancy playboys. And in the Hamptons, I did go to a party at Jordan's home with one of those men. And he saw me and I didn't really know what was going on, but I felt really weird at the house because they were all staring at me. Little did I know they were all on quaaludes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know, I was 22. I didn't think about those things. Yes. And then I left and he just tracked me down and found me. And he actually uh, paid a, made a woman $15,000 in the stock market to get me to go on a date. Wow. Wow. I mean, how crazy is that? Now, do you, do you think you were, because um, I always say this, were you attracted to him because it was like he was so dynamic, he, he lured you in, and there was things like missing in your childhood, like narcissists do that, right? It's- sure, sure, yeah. I mean, you know, he was, he's, from Bro- he's from Queens, I'm from Brooklyn. So when we went on, on our first date that I had no idea was arranged, why would I think that? I just wouldn't think that. Yes. And so, yes, I think that I mean, Jordan's five years older than me, and he was so magnanimous. I mean, he's the most charming person. I fall in love with salespeople over and over again. And he's also very bright, and he was unlike any other person I had met. And we, he really love-bombed me, which now I understand that t- term, where it was super fast, super furious. And when I was dating him, he's like, you have to marry me. And I was like, I don't want to marry you. I'm 23. He's like, if you don't marry me, I won't date you. Wow. Wow. That's a serious ultimatum. That is. Oh, and then the ultimatums continued because then when we were getting married, about to get married, he's like, if you don't have a child right now, we're not going to get married. So everything was a threat. And I really... First of all, I'd never experienced anything like that before, and I was in love with him. And so he would, kind of, even though I'm a strong girl from Brooklyn, I was no match for him. And I was like, okay, I'll have a baby. And I mean, I'm glad I did, because I have two beautiful children, but it was always that sort of, you must do this or. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's like, it's so interesting. And when did you start realizing, at what point in your marriage did you start realizing, this is fucked up? Well, yeah, yeah, that's a great way to say it. So, you know, a narcissist will do this. I mean, six months we're engaged, six months we're married, six months I'm having a baby, right? And so it was so quick. The pacing has to be quick because they don't want you to figure it out, I realized. Uh And, And so when did I realize it? I'm trying to think of what there was. Oh, yeah, there was a moment... There were so many moments, but I think I really realized it when I was pregnant with my daughter and he had had a surgery and took too much, too many painkillers afterwards. And I went and spoke to his therapist and I was 25, I guess, pregnant. And his therapist said to me, when Jordan works, he's like a symphony. When he doesn't, he's a natural disaster. Time's up. Gotta go. Wow. And I was like, okay, I better get myself into therapy. That's such, I can relate heavily to that statement because my husband, when he's sober, we're separated now, but when he's sober, he's amazing. When he's bipolar and using natural disaster on a global scale. Right. 
Right. And that's the tragedy because you can still see the good in the person, but oh, you know yeah. the rug is always about to be pulled. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a lot of great qualities. Uh, <laughs> but, but the, you know, when the doctor said that to me, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, can you, you know, is it possible to be in a relationship with a narcissist, a long-term relationship or not really? Yes. I mean, I think, yeah, because I'm, my husband I'm with now for 22 years definitely has those traits. I have a type, but he's really willing to work on himself and look at himself and he goes to therapy and he's stuck with me. So, <laughs> you know, we're both growing together. Yeah, I do. I think it depends upon the level. And I was very young when I met Jordan. You know, now I'm a doctor. Yes. So I can understand my husband and have a lot of empathy for him. And, and since narcissists become narcissists through love wounds in their childhood, so the healing has to happen in a love relationship. So if they're willing to get help, but what happens if you challenge a narcissist? Because I, I see this happening with someone I know, you know, yeah. very publicly. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so this is where I was so young and ignorant is that, you know, once I said I didn't want to, I set a boundary. I don't want to get married. Explosion. I don't want to have children. Explosion. Phone ripped out of the wall. Yeah. If you put up boundaries, they usually will just destroy you. So that so that's when things started to go right. So at what point did you start putting up boundaries? Well, I, initially from the beginning, but he would just plow through them. You know? Yes. So I couldn't I couldn't hold them, and I didn't really even understand about boundaries back then. Honestly, it was just being me, and he didn't really value what I needed or desired. So that was frustrating, and then. Yeah, so throughout our whole marriage, that happened. And then finally, uh, Jordan did get sober because I challenged him. And it's different than the movie, but he actually kicked me down the stairs. Oy, oh, sorry. Yeah, um, but he did get sober and he did come back to us for a year. But I knew I was done with him. I mean, how could somebody kick you down the stairs and just still not with them? And no, yeah. And then we went to, um, no, and then he got arrested. And then I was done because I knew I could leave and be safe because he was the government's problem now. I know that's, yeah. I mean, it's so, it's very scary. And then when you're in this situation, you had this beautiful life, you know, on paper, right? On paper, people envied you, yes. you, you know, you look like you have everything. Yes. And, and people are thinking, oh my God, Nadine and Jordan, and you know, this beautiful family, they're traveling, they're successful, they're wealthy. Yes. But, but at night, I'm sure, I'm sure in public, everything seemed perfect. But when you went home at night, right. were you thinking of how am I getting away from him? Yeah. And, and he was, you know, crazy in public too. Let's not forget that. I mean, we yes. would go to dinner and he would fall asleep in his soup. I mean... And that would be just totally mortifying. Um, but I mean, I was always thinking, how much longer can I take this? And I'm really strong. And you know, my one of my therapists said to me, Nadine, you know, you have your narcissism in you too. You're so grandiose. You actually thought you could handle Jordan Belfort. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, <laughs> I, it is. It's a weird thing because I do see a lot of shrunk women. Full for narcissists, yeah. and again, I think that's exactly hits the nail on the head. 
you think you could take on the challenge. Like you could fix them. Don't worry, I got this. And then you realize you really can't. Yeah, and there's a really important point. I'm glad you mentioned that. And that, you know, my whole time as I was leaving him, people would tell me I was codependent, codependent. And I certainly had codependent qualities. Yet, after all the research that I've done, what it really shows is that they choose women that are highly agreeable and highly conscientious. They know that. And there's a big, there's something called the big five personality test that I give to my patients that I took. And, and it's sure enough, I scored super high in those traits. Wow. Tell mm. us some of those traits of a woman. Tell us some of those traits. Yeah. So, so they're highly agreeable. They, they're super loyal. They're very, very trusting. The most important thing in their life, like my life, is relationships. So they'll do anything to keep a relationship. They're humble. They're, um, they, they believe in the good in people. They believe in the best in life. And they'll work really, really hard. They're very dutiful. They're very orderly. And so those traits, which are not bad traits. No, they're good no, traits. Good they're good traits. traits. Yeah. They get turned against you by them. Mm -hmm. And I was so relieved when I read that because I'm sure you guys, you guys know, there's a lot of shame in being in a relationship like that. There is. Yeah. No, of course. What about, do they isolate you from other people? Yes. I feel like, you know, some people I know, or, you know, I've been around, you know, even friendships that are narcissistic, yeah. you know, very isolating. They make you feel like they're the only ones who love and can protect you. And that person, other people aren't good to you. And they, and they seem to isolate you from others. Yes, yes, yes. And, that, and that's a very borderline trait as well. Uh, yeah, they want, they want you all to themselves because you have to remember that we are a true narcissist. I mean, we all have narcissistic tendencies. You are an object. You aren't, you aren't a person. So either you're, sometimes you're totally great and they idealize you and sometimes you're bad and they devalue you. And so they're always swinging between those two, two views of you inside of them. So tell me at what point did you go to being a doctor? Yes. Yeah, so I, after Jordan, I met a great guy and we're still married. We blended our families. So it has its own challenges. Yes. Yes. <laughs> as you know. And then I was working in the garment business, which is funny. Marja. Yes, I was in the garment business. Yes. Yeah. And then I was meditating and at 39, and I'd been in therapy my whole life. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to go back to school to be a therapist. And so I had to finish two years of my undergrad, got my master's, did 3000 hours, and then did five years of my doctorate. That's, that's amazing. That's that is so good. So do you work with a lot of different people counseling, you know, yeah. with all yeah. people who are in narcissistic yeah. abusive relationships? You know, I work with every, every type of person really. I don't work with children cause I have five of my own and cause I have three steps. So I'm like done with the kids. Yes. <laughs> so really what I work with is everybody comes because they've been wounded through their attachment with their parents. So they all, everybody's wounded to different degrees. And then we spend our whole lives unwinding out of that. <laughs> it's so crazy. I always say, you know, you're not responsible for what happened to you as a child, but you're responsible to fix it as an adult, right? Mm -hmm. So we totally. don't carry it forward. Yeah. And the nice thing is that, you know, now with all the research in neuroscience and what we know about the brain, it has neuroplasticity. We can change. 
And that's just so exciting to me. And I love to be, I, I don't, I can't even get, believe I get paid to do what I do. Oh, that's, uh, that's that. so nice. I love that you love it. So tell me when you met your husband, I don't know his name. I'm so John, sorry. John Macaluso. Oh, John Macaluso. So nice. So tell me when you met him, what were you in? Cause you said, you know, he has a few narcissistic, yeah. which is fine. I think a lot, you know, obviously everybody does tell yeah. me what was it about him that was different? What was it? What about him that was different is that he's a really, really caring individual. And I think because I grew up with a single mom, and Marge, maybe you could relate to this, I was so self reliant. Yes. I even denied that I had needs. I didn't even know what my needs were. I know. And, and so when I met him, I, first of all, I was really scared to trust him, of course, but he really could like hear me. I would say, oh, you know, I think this. And he'd say, Oh yeah, I hear that. And I was like, what? Wait, you listen to me. You could hear me. And so I think somebody has to be able to hear you to love you. And then he would take care of me if I was sick or just like all little things, like bring me coffee in the morning. I was like, what's happening? It's, it's true. It's like, I think women who grow up like us, you know, our mothers were young and yes. they didn't know better. I mean, I can't imagine having a baby at 19. I mean, I wasn't 19 when I had my son. And I, but when you look back, it was just like, they were babies raising babies. They didn't know any better, yeah. but it's true. It's like, we were like the parentified child. So yeah, the same yeah. kind of thing. But then of course I always feel like, and I'm so close with my mother, but I, I feel like I'm still like her mother. You know, I feel like yeah. she never grew up either because no one really took care of her. It's a weird dynamic. It is. Is yeah, your mom yeah. still alive? She's not. She died oh, at my age actually of lung cancer. Oh, um, I'm sorry. She died, at, she died in my arms and. I'm so was, sorry. I know. She was an amazing mom. And she, I think, you know what, March? I think she was tired. You know, she had, she had, she was, um, and spent the first few years of her life in an orphanage. She was a single mom. Yes. She smoked. I think she was tired. Yeah, yeah. I know. You know, it, it happens. It really does. It's just, yeah, I think Marcia and I really have come to a, a good place. Yeah, you yeah. guys have really we've been worked, able yes. to work through it. But you guys have had to work at it a lot. Yeah, we've worked at it sure. a lot. Yeah, she, and, and you know, my mom was such um, a reader of Jung and Freud and very psychological. So she's with me every day in my work. Oh, I in, love that. Yeah, she instilled that deep love of psychology into me from a young age. Every night at the dinner table, she'd say, Nadine, do you think it's nature or nurture that shapes a person? I was like, Mom, I'm 10. <laughs> Mom, 10. Except uh, I, I read that you're, are you British born? Because I, I read that. Yeah I, I, yeah, I was born in England because my mother got pregnant with me at 19 and they were not married. She went back to England. And then my Italian father, who I don't speak with, who's a gambling addict, he went and picked her up and brought us wow. back. And where was your mom in England? I, I was born in England too. Oh, really? She yeah. Lived, she was, I, I was born in Andover and I think she lived in Harrow on the Hill. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. I know. That's so funny. I, yeah. It's because I don't speak to my father either. That's so funny. I mean, he could be dead for all I know. Yeah. Probably. And I said, with my luck, he'd need money. So that would be a disaster. <laughs> Right, right. I, know, right. I said another person who needs money from me, so I'll just right, you know, right. yeah. That's money. why I don't speak to him because I gave him when I was with Jordan so much money, and he was never mean to me. My father he was never cruel, like never yelled, but he was a sick gambling addict. And I said, Dad, you got to go to Gamblers Anonymous. He's like, I'm not a gambler. I'm like, sorry. No, yeah. exactly. I know exactly what you're saying. 
So tell me about, um, with your children, how, I mean, how did you make sure, because listen, you are so strong and that you were such a young woman and realized all this. How did you protect them or, or, you know, teach yeah. them how, yeah. how to deal with all of these things and boundaries? Cause it is so hard because you were dealing with so much, dealing mm -hmm. with your husband, um, raising a family. It is hard to make everybody feel good and, and teach them. Yes. So when I left Jordan, uh, his sponsors called me up and said, Nadine, if you don't go to this place called the Karen Foundation, it's in Pennsylvania, for a week, you're going to marry the same exact person. I was like, oh no. And I dialed it and I went. And so they taught me how to have boundaries. And so I think when I came back from that center, I was three and five. And I said to my kids all the time, you're crossing my boundary. You're crossing my boundary. And I don't care if it's you or your father or a dog, don't cross my boundary. And they're like, mom, that word is scary. Don't say it. <laughs> and, and, um, and then, you know, we moved across the country you know, when they were young, three and six, four and six, because I didn't want them to be in Long Island around all of that. And I felt like we all needed a fresh start. And Jordan is a great dad. He, he came out two years later and, you know, lived near us. And so really because of my mother and then starting because of my training, we, we just processed everything we had all been through. Ad nauseum. <laughs> you know? yeah. and so then when the movie came out, really my kids were they, were, they knew everything. Nothing was a big secret to them. And uh, Jordan and I took our son to see it. And there was, you know, there's so much sex in it. And like, I yes. I put his head down and he's like, mom, if it's not you, I can watch it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then my daughter, uh, she's a therapist now. She just graduated from NYU and she's oh, a congrats. That's so nice. Yeah. So your relationship with Jordan now is fine then? Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's that's, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Right. After everything, right. That you guys have been through and yeah, it's, it was a choice. Him and I, I mean, we were, we were young too, and we didn't really know what we were doing. And, and we have these two beautiful children, and they're incredible people. And we both made a decision to do that. I mean, even the day the movie came out, I was like, why don't you come over? Because I could tell he was nervous. It was Christmas Day. And yeah, certainly, listen, we're two strong-willed people. We've had our bumps. But in the end, uh, like our daughter's getting married in September and we're thrilled. And oh, we're that's, that's so that. beautiful. I, yeah. I love that. I mean, I love that you're so strong because you've taken, I mean, most people would crumble. And I think that just shows your sign of strength and that you're the resilience yes. that you have and that you could teach people. And also that you don't carry resentment because yes. in your situation, you could have come, become a very bitter, resentful, full of hate person. And yeah. the opposite. I, I think that's yeah. so inspiring. Yeah, and you know, I think that, I mean, listen, it would have been easy to really blame Jordan because he's so blatantly crazy, um, which a lot of narcissists are not. And I think almost since that's harder, but I had to look at me, like, why did I choose him? You know, what, what made me stay there? So I think it just was much of a, a healthier decision to turn the mirror back on me. And realize I'm the only person I can fix. So, you know, I just, I just knew like that wouldn't do me any good. So good. So what could I, like, you know, with our listeners and everything else, yeah. if you're mm -hmm. friends with a narcissistic person, not in a relationship, but like, you know, if you're friends with a narcissist, how do you deal with that? 
Well, I, I think you have to, first of all. Yeah, a lot of gaslighting, right? No, I just, think that, yeah, I just think that like, if you really love that person enough to accept them, right? Because there's no perfect people. But if, if it, there's abuse in the relationship and, you know, it's time and time again and you don't get your, your you know, like they can't hear you at all, mm-hmm. then you can leave. Okay, you know, that's always a choice. Yes. But I, I think as humans, we also have to understand that we're all suffering on this journey. And there's no such thing as like the perfect ideal partner. I mean, mm-hmm. I gave up on perfection a long time ago. I'm an idiot all the time. No, I, listen, you're absolutely right. There is no perfect partner or anything like that. But I I do think there's like, but I, I like what you said, like, just, you have to have boundaries. You have to, you have to. And, you know, a lot of times we don't set boundaries because we're insecure or we're, you know, we're just, we just need that validation from other people. So that's why we get afraid to set them. But yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I think boundaries are so healthy and I think people don't set them. What can, what can women do like to, to strengthen, to strengthen themselves? Like what are like some, if, if women are suffering with setting boundaries, if they're in a relationship where they need to build their own confidence, what are some things that they could do? Sure. Sure. So I think the first thing that they can do is develop confidence within themselves. You know, what are they good at? What skill can they learn? I, I think that what's really supported me um, to just feel stronger in myself is my education. Now, that's not true for everybody, right? Somebody maybe wants to go to work or even have a, be good at a hobby, learn a language. Develop things within you that build confidence. And you have to have the courage to face your fears to build confidence. You can't buy it at a store. No, you're, yeah. you're right. That's absolutely true. Right. So, like, so if you feel strong and like, Marge, you get that because, you know, look at what you've done with your life and your career, right? And successful. And then you feel more confident. And then you learn how to set boundaries. No, it's, it's yeah. absolutely true. Listen, I always say like when I was married the first time I was a young girl, my, my priority was I want to pick someone who's a good father, comes from a good family. But I couldn't advocate for myself for my life. You know, he was 20 years older than me. And I do think my ex-husband's a great guy. I love him. I didn't put my name on my house. I kept saying, could I, you know, my name's not on the house. My name's not on the house. I said, what do you care? You're going to get all right. my money when I die. You're going to get the life. Right. You know, shit like that. And I went along with it. Yeah. Right. And it right. hurt me in the right. end, you know, like I, you know, I was rolled over, I was, you know, rolled over constantly. He, just plow, he plowed through you. And, you know, we, we have that like internal, I always say, don't go to the mind, go to your body. The body doesn't lie. The body keeps the score. When you feel that twinge in your gut, trust it. And we have the courage to set it. But I get it, young age, it's really hard. Now, we're, you're in California now or you're in New York? I'm in Florida right now. Yes. So we, um, so when the uh, pandemic happened, I started to do, you know, tele, teletherapy. And so my husband's eldest daughter had a baby. Well, I mean, oh, she nice. was two. Yes. And uh, so I said to my husband, we're going to buy an RV and drive to New York. We have a house in Glen Cove. He was like, are you crazy? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm crazy. And we're doing it. And we did it. That's oh, so that. My in-laws live in Seacliff. Oh yeah, yeah. So I live right there. I live. Yeah, I have a house there. And then you know, a year of doing teletherapy, 
uh, we decided we're going to stay on the East Coast. And so actually I went back two weeks ago and hugged all my patients because I was vaccinated and I'm still working with them. But teletherapy allowed me to travel and be with my family. So there's a silver lining. Yes, and, great. You know, That's so good. I yes, love it. Fun. Fun. I love being a, a they call me Gigi. I'm a Gigi. I, oh, love, I that. love that. So when you look back at your life, do you believe this is it? It's like a, do you feel like it's a dream? Yeah, you know, my best girlfriend of 30 years lives here and we walk in the morning and it's, we always say like, that was one life and then this is another life. I know, I know know, exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and, and I always say the wolf was my Buddha because he forced me to really grow and look at myself. And so I'm just grateful that I'm alive and my kids are safe and, you know, we made it through this year of COVID and Gratitude matters. I agree. You know, gratitude matters. And I've learned a lot and I continue to learn every day. And so, yeah, now I just want to be of service, really. You are. You're helping so many people. You are really helping so many people. And we ask everyone who comes on the podcast a few questions. And I know we really took through some of these. Um, But one of the questions is... um, about a big girl panties moment. It's like that sink or swim defining moment in your life that you could look back on that was really a game changer. And I'm sure you I know, I feel so like many. I know, I feel like I know, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the one that was a game, oh, the one that was a game changer was when I went to therapy with Jordan and the woman said to me, if you don't divorce this man, you're gonna get cancer. Oi. And that's when I said to him, you're getting sober. And that's when the whole kicking me down the stairs and all that. But I think that was a game changer. Some, when she said that, I was like, oh my God. But it woke me up. Uh, that's, yeah. wow. I mean, that would really wake someone up. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, and, but, but I've gone through so much other horrible things. You would have thought those would have woke me up. Yes. That, that woke me up. That was a game changer. And um, I think another one was, and I visited my school, Pacifica Graduate Institute, and I sat there and I just started weeping because I felt like I was home. Oh, I love I that. Like that's that. such a good story. That's so, that's so great. That's a, that is such a defining moment, right? It is. Yeah. What, um, what, you know, we always say, like, what's the most, we always say we're entrepreneurial, but what's the most real advice that you could give somebody? But again, you know, just give somebody who is like struggling, struggling any kind of real advice. I I think the, the, the real advice that I could give anybody is don't believe your thoughts. (laughs) Your thoughts aren't always reality. They're usually programmed, uh, inner critics from your parents. And so challenge your thoughts and really see what's correct and what's not correct because we get trapped in our thoughts. And yet they're not, we, we don't always need to live by them. So just look at your thoughts and challenge them. You know what? You're right. I always say it's like, it's not your feelings aren't facts, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, you know, if you're really suffering and you want to go for therapy, I know that therapy can be cost prohibitive, but I just want to let everybody know I had to do 3000 hours to become a therapist. So there are interns licensed therapists all over the country that you could work with for five dollars ten dollars and they're just as good or you know give it a try don't let price stop you from going 
No, you're that's, right. That's so that's, great. And especially this advice. year, I think a lot of people don't realize that like a lot of insurance companies this year covered more therapy because of the pandemic. So people, our listeners should call that insurance company and see what's covered because companies oh. are really low right now. Completely. And I take, and I took, I take insurance and yeah, you'd be shocked that a lot of com- insurance companies do. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank yeah, you. Yes. You know, my therapist is covered by my insurance and my copay is so low right now. And I'm so happy because this is the year I needed it the most. So yes, it made it a big difference. Yeah. That's so, that's so important. And then we always ask everyone, um, you know, the March yeah. always <laughs> says the secret to her success was, 50% delusion and 50% determination. I say I'm like um, 50% optimism, 50% grit sometimes. What would you say your percentages are? I would say mine is grit and determination. Yeah. Good. And, and optimism. I mean, yes. yeah, because one of my patients, he said to me once, he's like, do you really think I can get better or are you just actually that optimistic? <laughs> a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah, which it's true. I mean, you know what? I think I'm starting to change. I always say, you know, I'm optimistic. Yeah, it's true. It's like my, my percentages might start changing. I, I used to say that when I was little. I was like, yes, I'm fam-. You know, my head, I never thought I wasn't like, you know, a big yeah. deal or whatever. And, you know, a little, I didn't even have, you know, my mother didn't even pay the electric bill. <laughs> But I, but I look good when I went out of the house. Oh, wow. But I had no idea. You know, I literally had no idea. Yeah. Wow. I it's mean, so crazy. You yeah. know, because she would rather, you know, buy a fur coat or something like that. <laughs> she's, she's, she really embraces her inner child. Yeah. She yeah. embraces her inner child. She's really, she should be a more therapy, Marge Singer, but that's a whole yeah. other thing. You know, that's a whole other thing. But, but yeah, no, it's, uh, we can only. <laughs> I can't, I can't fix everybody. I got to yeah, just fix gotta myself. I got to just work on myself and make sure I'm good for everybody else. I, I have to take care of. Oh yeah. And you have enough to handle with being on your show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Woo, painful. Painful. This, oh. was, this was such really was. a pleasure. I get, tell everybody. I mean, I'm, this was like so beneficial for us and everybody else. Uh, I feel like it was a private therapy session. I, I know. I, I do feel, feel so like good. I've, I had like such therapy today. I know. Oh, it's so good. No, thank you so much for thank, having me thank on. You. Tell, tell everybody where they could find you. Okay. So they can find me at NadineMacaluso.com or my Insta handle is Dr. Nadine Macaluso. It was so oh, great to meet so you. Thank great. you so much so for nice coming out. So yeah. nice to meet you. Thank it's thank so you beautiful. So you're beautiful inside now. Yes. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. So obviously Nadine uh, was played by Margot Robbie in a movie of her life. Now you have Caviar Dreams, Tuna Fish Budget, the book. I'm hoping that we're going to see a movie of Caviar Dreams, Tuna Fish Budget, or maybe it should be a mini I would love it. I Who think would play you a Marge Senior? It has to be Kate Hudson and Goldie Hawn. I thought the same thing. It has to be. I thought the same thing. Right? Has to be. Especially, you know, the older version. I mean, the younger version. I don't. We have to see Baby Lynn's. Baby Lynn's. Baby, Baby Lynn's. Because she's like Baby Goldie Hawn. Yes, she is. I think that would be great. But I just loved having Nadine on. Yeah. She's just unbelievable. I feel like we just had a therapy session. Yes, there's a yes. I feel like I have to make her my therapist. That yeah, cool. I do. I'm a little great. obsessed with her. Very obsessed like the whole thing is, this is just everybody needs to have boundaries. Don't be afraid to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. If you're in a narcissistic relationship, get help. 
if someone comes on too fast and furious and it's too good to be true, it probably is. And also, even if you stay married, the love bombing and when it comes on really fast and really hot and heavy, it, it seems too good to be true in the beginning. You're going to deal with so much later on. There's so much fallout that you have to deal with. And also anyone who's dealing with... Um, in a relationship with an addict, you know, addicts have a lot of narcissistic qualities too when they're not sober. It's rough. There's a lot you're going to have to go yes, through. Yes, if someone's giving you any ultimatums or this is the way it should be, if someone's rolling right over you, if it doesn't feel good in your gut, feelings aren't facts always, but if it doesn't feel good in your gut and you know something's not right, it's probably not. If it's just, if you feel uncomfortable with something or if you're just like, they love me so much, they love me so much, that's why they're doing this. It's not always the way it is. If you feel like you're losing your sense of self, if you're starting to lose touch of the things you like to do, if you're always putting someone else first, if you're not having strong relationships with the friends that you always spoke to on a regular basis, those should be red flags. Yes. Find Nadine Macaluso. Yeah. And she posts great stuff, uh, tons of quotes, tons of pointers, tons of things that can help you. And even if you just want a better relationship with yourself, she has She's great, great amazing. advice. This was an amazing episode. I feel cleansed. I do too. So Caviar Dreamers, keep dreaming. Yes, you can find us every Wednesday at Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, which is basically everywhere now, yes. and on YouTube and on Instagram, and The Real Margaret Josephs and The Life of Mrs. B. Yes, and buy my book. Yes, buy the book. Buy the book, Kathy. And then we'll make it a movie.